Welcome to Mosaic Church, and thank you for joining us here online. To prepare for today's message, we encourage you to utilize the Mosaic Cincinnati app. There, you can view the message notes, put in prayer requests, and so much more. Enjoy the message. This morning, we're going to be talking specifically about our choices, our choices. And how many of you know that when you make a choice and in retrospect, you're like, man, there was a better choice. There's nothing like going to a restaurant and and kind of that pressure of, I want to pick the right thing and getting it and then wishing you would pick something else. But how many of you know in life, um, those choices escalate. There's some things that are like, okay, uh, a meal, no big deal. Uh, But bigger things in life really matter. And But sometimes we have trouble finding the better way. You know, all throughout life, we're presented with options and circumstances, and we have to choose. It could be small, like, am I going to get the number one or the number two at Chick-fil-A, all right? I'm always a number two guy. Any other number two people out there? Come on. You like it spicy. Here we go. It could be a big choice, like the spouse. And some of you think, oh, man, I had more than one choice of a spouse. No, you might not have, but that was a big choice, right? You had a choice in the matter. Or what about a house or a job? You know, there's, and maybe you're presented with an opportunity to move across the country, and, and these are big choices. Or it could be the biggest choices of all. Your faith, your priorities, your time, your investment in people, your investment in the only thing that is eternal, other people. But it's, in, it's super interesting when you walk through life with other people and you see the differences in how people make choices. You know, for instance, uh, you might know a researcher, somebody that, that just researches every angle that there is about any particular choice, and before long, they have paralysis by analysis. Anybody know somebody like that? And they end up just never choosing because they, they never stop researching, right? I had a friend, his name was Justin, one of my best friends in the world, and we did ministry together forever. And at one point, uh, you know, he had, he had grown up in, our ch- in, in the church there, and, and, he, and, and it came time for him to buy a car. And so this was like his first car purchase. And he literally searched for a car for three or four months and let like five or six amazing cars pass him by until he finally found just the right car. And how many of you know me and the guys were just teasing him the whole time about it? It's like, dude, pull the trigger. What in the world, right? So the researcher, and then there's the molar, like, oh, I'm just still thinking about it. Oh, I'm just still thinking about it. Or maybe you know an always yes person that is just to everything. They're always like, let's go. Come on, let's go. Let's do it. Yes, yes, yes. Or there's the reactor, and they're like, well, what did you pick? Okay, I'll have that. And, and they're, just, they're just reacting. They never really make a decision for themselves. They just, they just react to whatever is going on around them. Or there's the planner, and the choice comes, and that, the planner's like, I put that in my day book, day book three years ago. I was prepared. Oh, I knew, oh, we're going out to this restaurant? Oh, I decided three weeks ago what I'm going to order tonight, right? Because they're planning every single thing in their life. Anybody know someone like that? And then there's the one who never wants to make a choice. They're like, oh, you pick. Oh, you pick. And you're driving to the rest to a restaurant. You don't even know where you're going yet. And, and you just get so frustrated because they won't choose, right? Come on, somebody. And at last, there's the one that, that for anger, forever angers everybody else in existence is the one that, that takes too long to order at the restaurant. Come on. It's the worst, right? You've been to the restaurant 10 times, and they still can't make the choice. 
Everyone's hangry. Everyone's about to just lose it, but they can't pick. All right? It's interesting, isn't it, how people make choices? And there's a lot of pressure to make right choices. Man, I, I've been in youth ministry for a long time and seen, seen kids grow up and go through those college years, and the amount of pressure these days on our young adults to make the decision, what are you going to do when you grow up? It's debilitating, and, and, and a lot of times I think it's, it's, it's misappropriated, the pressure that we put on them. But choices are tough, and there's this pressure to make the right choice. But I see a pretty bold conclusion, a pretty, a pretty bold choice made in Psalm 84.10. And this is going to be the theme verse for this entire series that we're going to go through. And we're going to dig into Psalm 4 a little bit today. But the theme verse, Psalm 84.10 says, A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. A single day in the courts of our God is better than a thousand anywhere else. Now, if we reverse engineer this a little bit, and we ask ourselves the question, how in the world did the psalmist come to this conclusion? That they would rather spend one day in the presence of God than a thousand anywhere else. Basically saying, it's the most important thing in their life. And so if we ask ourselves, how did he make this choice to value God's presence more than anything? I can imagine that quite a few wrong choices preceded that conclusion. I can imagine that, that he had tasted the goodness of God's presence. I can imagine that he'd also tasted the sting of some wrong decisions and some choices to go places that, that weren't as fulfilling as God's presence. I can imagine that there'd been some field tests, that, that there'd been some great choices made and some bad choices made. But the thing that I hope that we're all encouraged with today when it comes to making better choices and, and finding the better way is that we choose. We choose where and how and with whom we'll spend our time. Some of us abdicate this and we just like, we, we, we don't think we have a choice. We think our, our calendars when our lives and our schedules are, are set and that we just really don't have a choice in the matter anymore. And I talk to parents sometimes that they've got kids and, and yes, man, our kids are important, but um, sometimes, man, the kids' schedule absolutely rules our entire life, and it's, and it's almost like we forget that we have a choice in the matter. And I'm not saying that everything on our kids' schedules is bad. No, there's a lot of great stuff. But we have to remember that there's always a better way and that we get to choose. I've been there before. Sometimes when I just have to remember that I can take my chooser back that I get to choose. We choose what we focus on and where our thoughts dwell. The next statement I'm gonna make is one of the most convicting things to me personally, and I tell myself this all the time because it, it re-centers me, it gets me back in the place, in the headspace that I need to be. Listen, we are as close to Jesus as we choose to be. He never moves. He never changes. He's always at the door of our hearts knocking. Hopefully we've let him in. And guess what? He doesn't change. We choose. Proverbs 14, 12, though, tells us that there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. 
And so this is why this topic is so important because if we trust our hearts, if we trust our guts, so much of the time it will lead us in an unhealthy direction. And this life, kind of like the songs that we sang about this morning, our life is full of, 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 of trials and enemies and, and days that, that just aren't going our way. There was a, a lady named Epi Letterer, and she achieved fame through writing an advice column for hundreds of North American newspapers using the pen name Ann Landers, right? Millions of people sought her advice on just about every imaginable subject. She's quoted as saying this. She said, if I were, to, if I were asked to give what I consider the most useful bit of advice for all humanity, it would be this. Expect trouble as an inevitable part of life. Expect trouble. So the advice giver that everybody looked to said that. God's word says it like this in, in Job 14.1. It says, man that is born of woman, which is every single person on the face of the planet, right? Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And these truths just, just elevate the fact that life's full of challenges and our choices really matter. They really matter. And so with these truths today, the big idea that we're gonna talk about is that life is better when we choose joy and peace. Life is better when we choose joy and peace. Let's read our text for today, Psalm 4, 6 through 8. Many people say, who will show us better times? Let your face smile on us, Lord. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. In peace, I will lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Let's pray. God, let these words get deep down in our hearts today. God, help us to understand the truths from your word. God, guide us. Let your word be a light to our feet. Show us our next steps and help our lives to be guided by your joy and your peace that you wanna give us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thought we're gonna talk about today, you can fill it in your notes or on the app, is that everyone wants to be happy. We see this right off the bat in Psalms 4, 6. Many people say, who will show us better times? Everyone's looking for this, the next restaurant, the next place, the next vacation, the next thing to go to, the, the, the better team, the better uh, activity, the, the better this, the better that. Who's gonna show me a better time? And then it says, let your face smile on us, Lord. What a great retort. Everyone is searching, everyone. Everyone is searching. Man, I love the new, the new movie, Jesus Revolution. I had a great time watching it. Um, I feel like just the, the, the core message is just, just so good. And one of the core messages of that movie we see in the conversation between uh, the pastor and the hippie, right? So the hippie's sitting there at the table in, in, the, in the pastor's kitchen, and they're trying to understand each other, and they're asking each other questions. And, and the hippie explains to the pastor, hey, hey, we're... You know, all these people that you see out there, the hippies that are uh, doing drugs and searching for love in all the wrong places, and, and, and they're all searching for God. They're just searching in the wrong places, right? But they're all searching. 
And that's the same whether you're a hippie or whether you're a millennial or whether you're a, a Gen Zer, whatever you are, we're all searching. We begin our lives searching for something that's gonna make us feel better. We, get, we, we continue through our lives searching for things that are gonna fulfill our deepest longings, and we just keep searching. And I wanna encourage you today, the fact that you are searching doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It means that something's right. It means that something's right. It's okay to search, and I wanna encourage you to keep searching, keep seeking until you find Jesus, God wants to be found by you. He's not playing hide and seek. Acts 17, 27 says his purpose, underline that, those two words because they're the most, two, most important two words in this verse. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Remember when I said just a few moments ago that, that we're as close to Jesus as we want to be? Well, hey, God is telling us right here, he's right there. He's close. He's wanting you to search. He's wanting you to find. He's not playing hide and seek. He's not making it hard for you. He's presenting himself to you with all the love, with all the grace, with all the mercy that you could ever hope for. And all of your deepest desires and all your, your deepest longings can be found in him. This is the gospel. It's amazing. And so the key word in that verse is his purpose. His purpose. Listen, you will never find your purpose until you discover his purpose. Let that sink in. As you search throughout your life, as you try to, try to numb the pain, or you try to uh, find the happiness, or you find, try to find your niche, or you, your uniqueness, the key to finding why in the world you were put here on this earth is in finding the purpose of God. Because it's all about Him. Just like that first song we sang today. Man, what a cool thought. It's all about Him. It's not about me. It's not about you. We were put here for God to love us, and for us to love him back. It's all about him. <laughs> You'll never find your purpose until you discover his purpose. Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And so I wanna encourage you to keep searching for that. Keep searching for that. But let me read the last page of the book for you. Jesus is the answer. And so as you search and you search and you search and you're trying to figure out you know, who you are and why you were put here and, and what this life is all about, let me just give you the cheat sheet. It's Jesus. You can stop searching. You can stop trying to fill that hole with everything else that you've been trying to fill it with. You can stop trying to make up life on your own rules and on your own account and, and, and the way that you want it to be and you can just rest in the person of Jesus because he loved you so much that he laid down his life for you on a cross. Jesus is the answer. His presence, his purposes, his goodness, it's all about him. And so as everyone wants to be happy, we all come to this place where we start asking God, God, I've searched and I can't find it, so just let your face shine on me. Just let your face shine on me. That's all I want. I want, I want your presence. I want your, your, your guidance, God. Amen? 
Number two, the second thing we learn from this, this passage is that God-given joy is greater than circumstantial joy. God-given joy is greater than circumstantial joy, and there's a huge difference. Psalm 4, 7 says, you have given me greater joy. Underline that like 10 times, right? Greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. You might say, Joe, I'm not a farmer. That's okay. <laughs> Whatever your abundant harvests are, whether it's making a buck, whether it's notoriety and prestige or power, whether it's pleasure, whatever, whatever you're searching for in life, guess what? The joy that can come from Christ is greater. You have the choice where you're gonna receive your joy from. You have the choice and you have two options. One is temporary and fickle, that's circumstances. The other is eternal and enduring. And it's up to us to figure out what the difference is. Both, here's the tricky part, both give joy. I get joy when I get stuff. I get joy when I have some extra money and I, I can go you know, buy something for myself or, or go out to eat or, or do something fun, right? That gives me joy. But guess how long it lasts? Until the shirt wears out or until I get hungry again. And I get hungry again really quickly, right? I love food. And so it just doesn't last. It doesn't last. Some of you have gone down this road. You keep buying the next thing and you keep trying to get the next income level and you keep going down that road and, and you've, you've come to the stark realization that it doesn't last. You just end up wanting more. And so both give joy, but one is better. You know, God sometimes works through our circumstances to bless us. Some he, sometimes he does. He, sometimes he gives you more and he blesses you. And, and you know what he's trying to see? He's gonna, trying to see how well good of a steward you're going to be with it. But don't ever, for, don't ever um, lose sight that, man, what God puts in your hand, he gives you to steward not to be your source of joy. He gets to be that in him alone. God sometimes also refines us through our lack you know, sometimes we think, oh, God, you're not blessing me financially. You're not blessing me in this way or that. And, and we think that there's something wrong with us. But it could be that God's just trying to refine you through lack. God, sometimes, sometimes our lack exposes our true values, whether we're really dedicated to the Lord or whether there's a part of our hearts that is still just counting on ourselves. Sometimes our lack is an opportunity for, for, for us to learn how to choose better. I love the example that we see in Genesis 25. Check this story out. Genesis 25, 29 through 34. It says, one day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau, just so you know, Jacob and Esau are brothers. Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. And I mean, you can just see in the, the tone here that they're brothers. Because who else is going to show up and just say, give me some of that stew, right? My kids talk to each other like that. It's like, hey, who are you? Are you an animal? Can you say please? You know, can you, can you just be, I know that you're sibling, but can you be nice? 
And so obviously brothers and sisters were the same back then as they are now. And they need to be taught to say please and thank you and be nice even to their siblings. One of the hardest lessons my kids are learning, right? And so give me some of that red stew. All right, Jacob replied. And as you read this story, just think about which, which one of your kids is which in this story. <laughs> because um, uh, I know when I read this story, I know which one is which in my, in my home. <laughs> All right, Jacob replied. And you can just hear the tone. He's almost happy that he's going to get to pull one over on his brother. But trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look. I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. Just as quick as that, right? And then the writer chimes in and gives some context. He says that he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. So think about this. Esau had the birthright. In, in this time, in this age, the firstborn son had more rights, more privileges, was going to receive more than anybody else in the family. It's a pretty good deal for him. But the thing to remember is, he had not done anything to earn it. He didn't deserve it. It was just given to him because of it, the, his birth order in the family. Sound familiar? That you became a child of God, not because you deserved it, not because you earned it, but because God made you his child when you put your faith and your trust in him. And so Esau, given this amazing gift, given this, him, this amazing opportunity for influence and for position and for material gain, right? He had it. He had the promise. And he chose to devalue that gift by pursuing short-term satisfaction. Another way to say it is that he received 90 seconds, because I bet that's how fast he ate it, of pleasure. He's probably like any young man, he's just like, it's like, did you chew, right? So he probably finished that food in about 90 seconds. 90 seconds of pleasure in exchange for God's best. God-given joy is better than circumstantial joy. And so you ask yourself, well, how do we take advantage of the joy that comes from Christ? How do we take advantage of what God has, has offered us and given for us and, and paid the price for when he died for us on the cross? The first thing that you need to do is to remember, it's already been given. Let that sink in. The joy of the Lord has already been given and afforded to you if you follow Christ. And so what's, what do we got to do? Don't trade it. Don't trade it. Don't give it away. Don't in your mind let other things take its place. Grasp hold of it. Keep it. Protect it. Guard your heart. 
Because God has given you a great gift. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and all these things. Guess what? They've been gifted to you because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. Don't trade it for a circumstantial joy that is less than best, that will fade when the day fades, and that is gone when, when as, far, as soon as tomorrow comes. Don't trade it. Don't give it away. I'm not saying this is easy. It's actually hard. It's hard to say no to yourself in those times when, when you want something. And man, you could, you could, you could uh, place your experience in this story. Anytime that you're tempted to do something you know you shouldn't be doing or, or to trade um, your purity for, for something that, that the world is, is, is tempting you, you with. And, and man, the devil is going to tempt you to trade what God has given you for something that is going to last about 90 seconds. The devil's going to tempt you to trade your honesty and your integrity to maybe make a deal, and that money is going to last about 90 seconds. The devil's going to tempt you to trade all kinds of things for the joy of the Lord, which is knowing that you're forgiven and that you're free and that, that you, you belong to God. Don't trade it. God-given joy is always better than circumstantial joy. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is to make a choice that honors God, to make a choice to hold on to the joy of the Lord instead of trading it for something that this world has to offer. Romans 6, 16 says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living, which you could also say is a life full of joy. 1 Peter 1.8 says, you love him even though, underline those two words, even though, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Joy. In another translation, it's, it calls this joy unspeakable and full of glory. I love that. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I love this verse because it says, hey, you love him even, even though you haven't seen him. Even though you haven't grasped it yet. Even though you feel like, man, sometimes God is far away. Even though sometimes it feels like you're all alone. Even though you feel like, man, I'm not experiencing joy like they're experiencing. And you're comparing yourself to other people. And you're, you're, by, by the thoughts that you're thinking, you're placing yourself in a pit of despair. But I love what this verse teaches us, that even though you have never seen him, and even though you don't see him now, you're trusting him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Meaning, my joy, I, can't ex I, don't, I don't know why I have it, because it's not coming from our circumstance. It's not coming from, you know, how much I have or how, how, how little I have. It's not, it's not coming from anything that I can put my finger on. But God has just given me this joy that passes my understanding. Isn't that amazing? God-given joy is greater than circumstantial joy. Just because you don't see it or feel it or can't explain it, it doesn't mean you can't possess it. You can have joy right now. And some of you are going through hard stuff. Man, I, I hear from many of you every week about the, the trials and the, the stuff that you're going through, and it's heavy, and it's hard. 
and I'm not demeaning that, or, or I mean, um, uh, I'm not um, diminishing those things in any way. I'm not. But even in the midst of that, you can have joy when you, when you just keep it. Don't trade it. Keep the joy that God wants to give you. Number three, as we close today. I won't find lasting peace anywhere else but through God. I won't find lasting peace anywhere else but through God. Psalm 4.8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone will keep me safe. Some of you that have problems sleeping at night, you're like, seriously, Joe? I wish it were that easy, right? I wish it were that easy that, oh, I'm just going to be peaceful and just lie down to sleep. And, and you, know, it, you know, when you read the verse, it sounds easy, but we know in practice, peace is not always easy. Peace is not always easy. To some, choosing peace sounds like a losing battle. It seems that no matter how hard you try, you can't will yourself to feeling better. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and, and I, I just can't find peace. And you might be saying in your head right now, Joe, it's just not that easy. And in many respects, that's true. I just want to encourage you with some truths that I've found, though. Your feelings, they're not right, and they're not wrong. They just are. And sometimes you can't, you can't do anything about your feelings. They're just there. But the biggest thing to remember is that your feelings are only one small part of you. And you and your identity is not your feelings. It's not. Feelings are not right. They're not wrong. They just are. And that's why your feelings should not be respected as much as many times we respect them. So much of the time we put our feelings on this pedestal and they, they are basically Jesus. They're, they're Lord. Man, we follow those feelings like, like and we think, we think so much of our intuition, we think so much of our gut, we think so much of our intellect, we think so much of our understanding, and we think that because we feel, therefore we are. And that's a horrible place to be. Listen, your feelings, they are sometimes good advisors, they're like a, t- a temperature gauge or, or kind of an indicator but they're terrible leaders in your life. Terrible leaders. Jeremiah 17, 9 says it like this. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and it's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And so what's the answer? If I can't trust my heart, if I can't trust my feelings, if I can't find my peace, what do I do? And I really believe that the answer lies in making declarative statements in your life that reflect God's truth and choosing where your focus is going to lie. You gotta rewrite the script. Whatever kind of tapes are playing in your head that are, are robbing you of your peace and whatever stories that you're telling yourself and the, the, the things that just plague your heart and mind over and over that are, that are robbing your peace from you, you gotta rewrite the script. You gotta change the tapes. Some of you kids are like, what's a tape, <laughs> right? <laughs> like do a different MP3 track or, or, or choose a different playlist on Spotify. How about that? Change the tapes. You can't always change how you feel, but you can always change where you focus, always. 
I saw a funny meme on Facebook this week that, that said, you can't keep a bird from landing on your head, but you can keep it from nesting in your hair, right? <laughs> you can. One time, me and my uh, best friend, I was lucky I had a few best friends growing up, but one of my best friends uh, went to Kansas City uh, to the Royals Stadium over there to a Royals game, and we were Cardinal fans, but, but hey, they're both in Missouri, so um, had a good time going to the game, and and it's a real, the Royal Stadium is beautiful. It's a great stadium. And so we're sitting there just having a good time at the game. And, um, and so it's me and my, my buddy and his parents. And, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a bird flew over and did what birds do right onto my friend's dad. And he was hot. He was mad, right? And um, it's like, what do you do? You know, you're in the middle of the stadium. It's not like you can go just get a change of clothes. And, 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 he, and he was not happy. And it was those, one of those moments as teenage boys that it's like, he's mad, and so you don't want to laugh, and you don't want to make fun of him, because uh, you're going to get in trouble then, but like, you can barely even hold in your laughter, right? We were just ornery teenage boys, and it's like, and it's like you just want, you want to die laughing, but it's like we're trying to hold it in because we could tell he's, he's really not happy about it, right? Sometimes stuff like that happens. But guess what? My friend's dad... He got to choose whether he was just going to sit in it or whether he was going to clean it off. Whether he was going to let that ruin his whole day and ruin his, his whole time or whether he was going to clean up and keep going. It's too many times, church, we just sit in it. We sit there and we stew in it. And when the peace of God is just one choice away and I'm not saying it's that easy but he's promised it to us he's promised it to us and the peace of God that passes all understanding will inhabit your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus it's a promise but too many times instead of cleaning it off instead of shooing the birds out of our hair we just sit in it we just let it be and we ruminate, and we stew on it, and we just, we, we let it run our thoughts instead of us running our thoughts, don't we? We do. Have you ever noticed that when you just try to stop thinking about something, and it's all you can think about, <laughs> right? And so the key isn't focusing on stopping. The key is to start thinking about something else intentionally. That's the key. Instead of thinking about your failures and your bad choices and what has happened to you and the, maybe the trauma that you have experienced, you start to declare God's promises over your life. Philippians 4.8 says it like this. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Instead of thinking about how bad it is and, and how, how you know nothing could ever be worse, man, you just start fixing your thoughts on the greatness and glory of Christ. One time, me and my boys were paddling back from a trip in the Boundary Waters, and some of you have heard part of this story, but the last leg of the journey, we're paddling across this huge bay, and it had, the wind had picked up, and the wind just happened to be straight in our faces, and my boys are tired by this point in the trip, and so I'm paddling, and I'm paddling, and I'm paddling, and guess what? It feels like we're going nowhere, right? And I'm yelling at the boys, paddle, 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 because, because they're tired by now, right? And it literally feels like we're not moving, and so we just keep paddling and keep paddling and keep paddling and it feels like we're getting nowhere 
Now, we eventually did get across to the beach where we were going to spend the last night and get picked up by a motorboat the next morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right? But when I was out in the middle of that bay, paddling that paddle, feeling helpless, feeling like I was never going to make it, you know what I was thinking to myself? There's a better way. And it's called a motor. (laughs) But guess what? I didn't have a motor. I didn't have a motor. And so the better way, I didn't possess it at that moment. I didn't. I couldn't access it. I couldn't create it. It was completely out of reach for me. And so I could do one of two things. I could either just get frustrated, throw up my hands and just wallow in it, right? And, and this is where some of us are at. Sometimes we got to sit in the frustration of not being able to take care of ourselves long enough to hate it and reach out to a loving God because there's times when you don't have a motor and you don't have a better way and you can't get yourself out of your thoughts and, and you can't find the peace and the joy that you so desperately need to make it through life. And you, you can't access it. You can't take care of it. You don't, you don't have what you need. And that's the time when you just need to put down that paddle and you're just rowing with everything you have. You need to put it down and you got to realize that you're not going to make it without him and that you need to surrender yourself to a loving God. Surrender and realize that, you know, you're not going to power your way through this. You're not. Romans 5, 6 says it like this. When we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Isn't that amazing? And you're going to reach a point in searching for peace and joy and and trying to make right choices in your life where you realize, I can't do this on my own. can't do it. I need Jesus' peace. I need a peace that I don't have. I need a peace that is greater than this little paddle that I have. No, I I need the Holy Spirit to come and fill me with something that wasn't there before. Amen. Bow your heads and close your eyes today. If you're here today and you're saying, Joe, man, I've been searching. I've been trying to figure out this this life on my own, and I just can't. I need Jesus. I need to surrender to Christ today. I need to realize that I... I'm not going to make it just by being good enough or by just always making the right choices or by just always trying to do things right. No, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And church, every single one of us, we need to come to that place where we just surrender to a loving God who paid the price for our sins on a cross. And so if that's you today and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, just raise your hand boldly and say, Joe, that's me. It's time to give it up. I realize I can't find the peace and the joy that I so desperately need anywhere else, but I need to find it in Jesus. Amen. Amen. If that's you and you're wanting to give your heart and your life to Christ today, I encourage you to just pray a simple prayer. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you'd be saved. That's the beginning of the journey. It's the beginning of saying yes to Jesus, of repenting of your sins, which means doing a 180, turning your back on your old life and following Jesus into a new life. And you can do that in your own words right there at your seat today. If you gave your heart and your life to Christ today, we've got a gift for you at the Welcome Center in the lobby. We've got a free Bible, some resources we want to get get in your hands. So feel free to stop by there and grab that after service.
if you're here today and you're saying, Joe, I'm following Jesus, but man, I'm struggling finding the joy and the peace that I need, and I need to choose a better way. And part of that has to do with your choices. Part of that has to do with just straight up surrendering to Christ and, and what he has for you. Part of that you know, has to do with your mindset. Whatever it is, if you say, Joe, that's me, and I want to just choose better when it comes to my joy and my peace and finding it in the person of Jesus Christ. If that's you today, just raise your hand as I pray. God, we need you. Sometimes we come to you and we know that you have joy and peace for us, but we just don't feel it. And so God, I pray that in those times, God, that we can just trust you, that we can declare your goodness over our life, just like the songs we sang today, that we can just lean into you that we, we can rejoice in the midst of trials because we know that it's producing endurance in us. God, that we can place our joy in a heavenly home that you're preparing for us, not just in these earthly blessings that, that you so graciously provide for us. God, that regardless of the circumstances of our life, God, that we can rest in how good you are and that we won't trade it away for something that is, is going to be so short-lived and temporary. Help us, in Jesus' name, to choose a better way. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.